Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. My name is Andy Rao, and normally I am joined by my co-host Chris, but Chris is indisposed at the moment. Don't worry, listeners at home, he's doing fine, but he was not available to record for this episode. So I've invited not one, but two people who may be familiar faces or voices to join me as co-hosts. I don't know which order to uh, introduce you, so whichever of you guys jumps in first can be the first to introduce yourselves. Hey there, I am Kyle's favorite game master, John. And I'm uh, I'm just Tim. Both John and Tim have been on the show in the past. John is the uh, co-host, as he said, of the Splatbook podcast. And Tim was most recently on in a really great discussion a number of episodes ago about running role-playing games for kids. Uh, Liz Decker was on the episode as well. So what a great discussion that was. Super fun. Yep. Yeah, he was also on the Splatbook once when Kyle was out. Uh, discussing rpgs with kids so it's actually what i do i like i look for people that are sick or otherwise indisposed (laughs) and i try to make my space in their space in the internet nice it feels just one step away from being a monetizable like influencer career but there's something missing the the pennies are coming (laughs) yeah yeah i'm gonna be rolling rpg kids tiktok that sounds great yeah yeah, I think there's a crypto thing that is like really hot right now that I'm going to get in on. Oh, great. <laughs> well, well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's RF, RFT, not NFT. <laughs> okay, well, one of the many reasons that I asked uh, Tim to join us is because I recently participated in a sort of group bullying effort against Tim where we forced him to spend uh, money on gaming stuff he doesn't need. So specifically, uh, Palladium books every year around the holidays, they let you purchase what they call Christmas surprise packages. You basically, you pay 50 or 60 bucks, you send them a wish list of books that you want from their vast catalog, and they pick out books that are on your wish list or inspired by your wish list. And uh, they don't tell you what they're putting in your package. So it's a surprise. And Tim, do you remember what were the instructions you were given? Uh, Yeah, well, so surprisingly, I have it up um, because I I, I wanted to make sure I got this right. So I I knew almost nothing about Palladium games to begin with. They have a bunch of questions they want you to answer when you (laughs) fill out your wish list. And so the first one, I just copied and pasted directly from what you told me. So when they ask you, what are your special wants? I put... I know nothing about Palladium games, but was dared to buy a surprise package by my stupid online friends. Send me the weirdest things in your warehouse. And then, but then there's more questions I had to answer on my own. Uh, they say, well, what are your favorites? And I was like, well, I should just be honest here. I really have no idea what I'm doing here. Just send me something weird. <laughs> Got dinosaurs or evil, sexy cyborgs. I'm game for whatever. I like miniatures. I drink coffee. Fortunately, that can all be handled with one Palladium game, but we'll get to <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, so so the uh, the part that I didn't tell you guys was that I originally said, "Oh, hey, maybe that duck game," you know, and then I was like, "Wait, is that them or is that someone else?" Like the game that looks like it's Darkwing Duck. Well, that's no, not... that's Free League. Yeah. That's, so uh, so I, I looked it yeah. up and I and and I forgot what it was called. So I just typed in that Darkwing Duck video game <laughs> or that Darkwing Duck board game. And then I was like, wait, it's a role playing game. Okay. So I, so I finally find it. I was like, oh, that's Free League. I better take that off. So delete, 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 delete. This is the extensive research I did 
when filling this this form out. I had a very vivid mental uh, image in my mind of the Palladium staff puzzling over, like what could he what could he mean? Could yeah, he mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah, at first I did I did type in duck on their on their their web page to find out, and like I. It definitely did not come up because it's not made by them. So, of course, it didn't come up. The reason we are talking about all of this, dear listeners, is Tim is going to open his surprise package live on the podcast. And we're going to discuss the goodies. And uh, Tim asked for the weirdest stuff in their warehouse. So uh, I have I have high hopes. One minute and talk about Palladium Games for those who are not familiar. Yes, I'm I'm one of them. So I'd love to hear about it. They are notoriously like... The Palladium games have been around since the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And it started with just a Palladium fantasy RPG. They have had a couple of licenses in the past. In fact, they have a Kickstarter right now for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I believe they did a version of the Stormbringer game, but I couldn't swear to it. Maybe Chiasium said that the whole time. I think so, But they're most famous for a game called Riffs, which is this bonkers, post-apocalyptic, multiverse-spanning story about an earth that has gone through this upheaval and there's all kinds of crazy you know mutants and like it's 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 wild and and kevin sembiata who is the author and main driver of palladium games is quite a character and notorious in rpg circles for just being you know just having his own thing going on and and doing what Kevin wants do to do, you know? So it's a, it's a quite an interesting company. It still has that, that small press um, independent creator vibe, super strong. Yeah. I was going to ask what you guys' kind of experience was with Palladium because I know Tim, you have uh, no experience. John, I'd like to hear a little bit more about like how you've intersected if you have with Palladium games. Growing up, I never played any Palladium games, but Palladium was this like important background scenery to the hobby for me, because especially I think Rift came out, came out, Rifts came out around 1990-ish or so, and I was sort of the heyday of my youthful gaming. So when I'd go into the game store, next to the Battletech or D&D books I was looking for, there was always this row of colorful, crazy Rifts uh, source book covers and yes that continued throughout the 90s they were it was they were just like a kind of a fun and comforting sight and they i mean they always made me curious what this riffs game was because i mean you would be looking at games from the same time the same setting riffs you there would be a book with like a samurai on the cover there'd be a book with a dinosaur on the cover there'd be a book with a robot on the cover and sometimes and, a robot dinosaur samurai like, right exactly yeah. and like it it would just I wasn't into that sort of uh, kitchen sink kind of gonzo, whatever you want to call it setting at the time I was, but you know, my mind would just spin with like, how on earth is all this stuff packed into one coherent or semi-coherent setting? So John, what is your experience with uh, Palladium stuff? You know, I have a, a couple of things. One is I, and I'll, I'll drop it in the chat here and maybe we can find a better picture if we want to include it in the show notes. Yeah. I grabbed this book. I've always looked for games that are not, I hate, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but are not like D&D, right? So, but I wanted different fantasy RPGs. So, so I saw this book cover in Writer's Hobby Shop once and I'm, and it was just one of those covers that just blew my mind. Like what is going on in this picture? Cause is somebody <laughs> looking at it, somebody explained to me, like describe that picture. Tim, could you describe for us what you see here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, adventures in the Northern wilderness. So it looks like we have a wolf slash shaman 
who is standing at the edge of maybe a, a murky swamp that has some uh, looks like some skeletons like working their yeah. way out of the swamp. And I don't know. Oh, okay. So the wolf. It looks like they've got a glowing skull in in one hand. Oh, they've got a nice little. Uh, uh, what is that belt like of skulls around yeah. their uh, around their torso? That's <laughs> like nice he is too. metal, right? Like oh, a I thought wolf it was a necromancer. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, I I think that this is a she wolf. Oh, and um, and she takes that a little personally. So there maybe, you go. Maybe you watch what you say, John. Even better. But yeah, like I just saw that, and it's one of those pictures that like just told a story, and I'm like, I want to know more about this world. This is totally bizarre because it's not the kind of thing you would see on the cover of like a D and D adventure, right? Like a a wolf shaman necromancer summoning zombie skeletons from a swamp. And so I bought it and I tried to play the Palladium RPG. I, I didn't love it. It wasn't what I was looking for. It's sort of like in many ways a heartbreaker for D&D, the fantasy version. But then I I never played Rifts, but I've always admired Rifts for its gonzo nature and um, feel like it really contributes something to the hobby just because it's so crazy. The, if you've ever read the setting for Rifts, it's like, there was an apocalypse, the multiverse opened up, but you're still in the United States. And there's like these different factions that have formed. Like it's it's some crazy like historian's vision of what the future will be like. And it's born out of 80s, you know, Cold War paranoia. And it's just, I love it. I think it's fun, though I would not probably play it. Yeah, and we'll get into the unboxing or whatever in just a minute. But I wanted to say I also have a just sort of a fondness for Palladium games, even though I have not played them very much. I did play in a game run by Kevin Symbieta. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yes. Oh, yeah. At a yeah. convention a couple years ago. Had a blast. That guy, he's a he's a great game master, a great convention game master. But the Palladium games, generally speaking, have not really been my thing rules-wise. This isn't a podcast where we talk about what's awesome and what sucks and stuff like that. So I, I'm not reviewing it in an objective sense, but for me, I find it, I find the rules are just a little too complex, a little too fiddly for me, generally speaking. But at the same time that I sometimes feel like this is not for me, I'm really drawn to games like this where specifically because they're a little fiddly, they're kind of complex. They aren't organized exactly in the way that like a Dungeons and Dragons rule book is going to be organized. To get a game experience out of it, you really have to engage with it and interact with it in a way that I that I don't. When I run a game of D&D, I feel like I am following the rules of Dungeons and Dragons to play right. D&D. With a game like Rifts, and there's many other examples in the hobby, to get a playable game, you, you need to wrestle with it a little bit. And I guess I just sort of have an admiration for people that... Uh, you know, have these long running games of Palladium or Rifts or whatever, because to have had that experience, they had to have established a more personal relationship with the rules than I need to do when I just run D&D. Yeah. Does, yeah. That, does that make any sense? It does. And it, it feels like a set of rules from a from a previous time, too. You know, if you were to compare it to rulebook in the early 90s, it might fit in very well. But if you look at it compared to rulebooks now, if you put it next to a copy of uh, Trophy Dark or you know, Brenda would pay or something, you'd be like, these are, are these both the same kind of game? You would be maybe suspicious. So yeah, yeah. there's a certain, at least in some of the early Palladium stuff that, you know, I collected here and there. Also, their books tended to be cheaper than the competitions. So like I did pick up source books here and there that looked cool. And there's a sort of zine quality to them in that there's a certain assumption that you kind of already know how to play D&D, and you're bringing that knowledge into this new game. 
for better or for worse, there's maybe, I guess, missing stuff or some assumptions that you'll be able to come into Rifts or Palladium Fantasy or whatever and combine this new stuff with your existing understanding of how to play D&D and get through it. And that's, I don't know if that would, you know, fly exactly. Well, I don't know. You see some of this in, in like sort of the OSR mothership Morkborg environment today, I think. Yeah. Well, I, Andy, so the problem with Andy is he, he knows everything <laughs> and he has such great ideas and thoughts on everything that if you just keep giving him space, he's going to fill it up with, with the right thing. And what I was going to say, I was like, oh, well, but, but if you look at, at Merkborg, you open that, it doesn't give you everything you need. You're, you've got to fill in a lot of space because there's, I think there's also this assumption that you, you, you bring to the table uh, a good amount of knowledge of like how to put together an adventure and, and run it and, and things like that. And, you know, and maybe it's just, you know, another, another hit. At it. I, I know nothing, but the other, the other thing that you got me thinking about was there's been two times at RFT con uh, that, that come to mind immediately where I've played in a game that is not the kind of game that I would want to run ever. Right. And, and I ran one of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like I ran shadow run second edition rules as written uh, last year. And, and, and I have, you're saying that's not a game you would normally, I have very fond memories of running uh, or playing. Nobody believes you. I have very fond memories of playing in shadow run (laughs) back in the nineties, late nineties. Right. And it was a lot of fun to do a one shot. And I, and I think we all had a great time. And then everyone walked away and said, we're good. We don't have to do that ever again. (laughs) And then, and then at, at RFTCon this year, again, I played, uh, I played in a game that was it's not my jam in um like the genre and the, the system none of it was but i had an amazing time with the people at the table you know and i think part of it was getting out of getting out of my comfort zone of what i like to do and and, and having a new experience so maybe i don't know what's in this box but maybe there's something <laughs> in this box that i should bully someone into into running at oh, rft con yes. all right let's do well, it i, I think yeah, that's a good intro let's jump in so so, uh, Tim, if you open up the box and if you can just obviously listeners at home can't see this. So, John, I'm going to ask you to just give us a gut description of what you see on your screen as okay. Tim holds up his prize. Right, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I do I do want to say one other thing before I open it. I, I now feel a little bit bad about how I filled out the form because I filled out this form. And I and I, even at the end, like I was like, I don't even know. Just send me whatever weird stuff you got. And I didn't realize until someone pointed out after that I'd given them my money and I'd hit send that that's exactly the opposite of what they ask you to do. They ask you. And and when you say that he's such a nice person, he also is like, he lives in my town. Right? That's right. So he like, lives in Michigan. We should say I, that. Like he, we could pull this off because Tim could drive there. I, yeah. I could, uh, you know, um, and I wonder like our town, it's not that big a town. You know, I don't know. I could know this guy, <laughs> right? You right. could be like, Oh, it's that guy from the grocery store. And I was just, I just like, like did exactly the opposite of what he what he asked for it. and you said he's such a nice guy it makes me feel a little a little bit bad a little bit well but, we're about i don't to find think out if nice. there's a i think you said he's a character which oh is, okay okay yeah. well that that's better than <laughs> well, yeah i mean my 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 only interactions with him at that con game and i think i've visited their booth at gen con once or twice but i mean he i have only had delightful experiences with him so okay. i think he's awesome. a very nice guy we're about to find out if there's oh, like a really go. passive yeah. aggressive note in yeah i'm, I'm hoping i'm kind of hoping there is all the right package all right. is so open first thing what we got? first thing is oh. uh oh wait, minis what is this? It looks like like three uh, D printed uh, minis. <laughs> okay. Well, the well, I don't want to give anything away. I want, they have bases. Want, there is a base. Okay, so it, it's looks like it's a couple of minis. 
Um, oh. See if we can tell. Yeah, there's somebody is. like dead on the ground, and there's like a giant guy, like a <laughs> Robotech Riffs guy. That's, yeah. awesome. That's definitely a Riffs I think, mini. I think that, and and it's titled Chainsaw Glitter Boy and Pilot. Yes. Oh. Okay, so now you've so, heard oh, the term oh, Glitter Boy. We'll have bo- to discuss the boy, that later. The boy is the boy is also in the package. He's there. So yes. and, and awesome. I do see a chainsaw, but I don't know what that has to do with this other guy. So. Well, is the... Glitter Boy is a is a character class in Rifts. Oh, um, probably play the Glitter Boy, one. a Dog Boy. There's other choices, but it's yes. probably the best it's like one. a mech pilot, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Um, awesome. well, they also they also gave me a commercial because this is this looks like it's uh, like hey, go buy some stuff. Yeah, oh, is man. that the, he's got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the front? There it is. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like if you open their web page, this. Right? Yes. Yeah. You know, I miss the days when. Like companies would put in a little catalog of their stuff. Yeah. Uh, like oh like, yeah. There's an advertisement for the thing I just got. That's nice. Oh nice. Like, hey, for the Christmas surprise you package. You should you should buy a Christmas surprise package, which is what I have. Yes. Um anyways. Did they did they highlight the little rules that are like please don't <laughs> give us vague instructions? You know what? They don't care about me as much as I think they do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. What's next? Oh, there is a note. Okay, let's see it. Read us the okay. note. Okay, I'll read the note because that's hard to read. Um, here you go, Tim. Something weird? Check. Got dinosaurs? Check. Something with robots? Check. Evil or sexy cyborg? Check. Well, a glitter boy suit of power armor, anyways. Enjoy. And then he signed it. Oh my nice. goodness! Nice. And it is a it is a game called Dinosaur Swamp, and the cover features like a T Rex style dinosaur duking it out with a couple of glitter boys in armor. Uh, like uh, trying to shoot them, and, and you see it over like like a mech pilot or something. It's pretty amazing. Mm. Is it a Rifts expansion book or is it its own game? It is Rifts World Book number twenty six. Twenty six Dinosaur yeah. Swamp. Dinosaur what is that swamp. dinosaur chewing on? Uh, is that like a piece it, of it, mech? With some some yeah, I think it's a piece of mech. Okay. Now he is. I think he is trying to contest one of my favorite games, uh, which is Predation by oh, Shannon yeah. Germain, right? That uses the cipher system, which has also got robots and dinosaurs. Yeah, but, but is the, Not is so the robots, cover but... of Predation as good as that cover? Can we be honest? <laughs> uh, well, and by good, but... I mean amazing. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, do you want me to be honest or fun for the podcast? Because if I'm uh, going to be honest, I like, be both. I like the other one more. I like yeah. What if you more. don't tell us what you're doing and yeah. then we it just leaves us with the uncertainty? Yeah, that's right. So Dinosaur Swamp, coming soon. To RFTCon near you. All okay. right. Hey, I have to say that little is that a little sticky note that he put? That was that was that, pretty that's, delightful. That's I'm, pretty great. Yeah, I like am keeping yeah. that. Like yes. some of this other stuff may end up in other people's houses, but the note is staying. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. It is really All right. Nice. Next up. Ooh, that's oh, a big that's one. A thick one. All right. Oh. Riff's Ultimate Edition. That is Whoa. a sweet looking book, and it's got like a giant eye computer with like arms reaching out, and there's like a cyborg dude in the middle and like that's crazy is that the creature you described at rft con andy is that the vampire intelligence i don't i don't know Hmm. Uh, (laughs) but who's but who is this that's what i need to know that's one of our heroes so he's he's giving off ninja vibes to me that pose yeah yeah Yeah. is he part wolf there are there wolf ears poking out of that hairstyle no oh but maybe maybe they are for you and why are you assuming it's male I sorry, did it again with the wolves. I assume all wolves are male. What's wrong with me? What is yeah? All right, so you've got the game riffs. There's one more. There's one more to come. One more. 
What is that? Oh. Rifts. Oh, that looks sweet, actually. So that's Rifts World Book number, what number is that? 33? 33. Rifts Northern Gun 1. And it's like like mechs versus dragons. And there's a dead dragon on the cover. And there's two mechs there that have like shot the dragon to death. That is sweet. (laughs) That is beautiful. (laughs) Now that... Now that is, this might be coming to RFTCon. Yeah, you might have to run that one. Is well, that, I don't know. Uh, I have to run. Someone has to run this. I, I'd run that. I'd, I'd, I'd run, run games at every it's RFTCon. On, it's recorded. It's, it's I'm saying it on a podcast. Other I'll people run should Rift's get a Northern chance. Gun. That is beautiful. Okay. Well, hey, that's awesome. Hey, did uh, did you get any signatures in those books? Oh, you oh, might sign them not, for I you because I did. I did check yes on on the signature thing. I bought a. Uh, book from him at a convention from palladium and he drew like a dragon for me on the uh, oh like, nice nice oh it's got one two three four five signatures in it oh, yep nice that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah in, in the core book yeah what okay so well, um something i was never gonna buy but i'm glad i did because you know I, I, a piece of wisdom from my, my best friend has given me two pieces of wisdom that i, I carry with me always one is um, take any food that you would ever prepare. And if you can batter it, deep fry it, and people won't eat it, you had no business serving that food in the first place. Okay. <laughs> the other piece of advice is always, always, always make time to do something stupid. There you go. I love it. Well, hey, Tim, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for spending your $60 or whatever uh, yep. for the purposes of the show. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, who knows, uh, maybe one or more of those will find their way into a campaign you're running in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I don't know, I but preda- the predation connection there seems like one you could possibly pursue, right? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure part of that was somewhere in my mind. But... All right, well, hey, gentlemen, so I have a question for you guys, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a repeat of something that we have, the three of us, I think, have talked about in the past, but I want to put a slightly more specific spin on it. And that is my 12-year-old son has started asking really enthusiastically for me to run a D&D game for him and his friends, who are all 12-year-old uh, boys. And so he's already got a gang of about six boys his age eager to play. And I am... I'm excited that he's, this is the first time he's really expressed much interest in the hobby. His older sibling is, has done a lot more role-playing, but um, I don't know. But I'm also a little scared because I've been in the room with just like two 12-year-old boys and it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just curious, both of you, I think, have some experience with this. And I'm wondering, beyond just the general question of like, you know, running games for kids. What do I need to know or what should I keep in mind thinking about a game for like specifically preteen boys? That's a great question. I'm going to defer mostly to Tim, but I'll throw in my two cents just off the top here. Yeah. I think it's just important to remember that the game they want to play is probably not the game you want to run. Yeah. Or if it is like you should maybe take a few moments and channel your younger self and prepare for that sort of goofy slightly it's going to be like slightly boundary pushing for 12 year olds they're going to say things that are inappropriate on purpose and that's going to be okay but i think tim probably has more advice about this than i do so i think you nailed it john my my biggest advice is always just why are we here right and and the reason we're here running games for kids is usually different than the reason that we're here running games for 
our friends, right, um, of, of our age. When I'm running games for kids, there's only one outcome that I'm looking to achieve, and that is they walk away talking about it that they were having and they had fun. They want to do it again. That's it. So rules don't really matter. I I, I think they they like rolling dice a lot. They like they like pushing boundaries at that age because like that age is right. They're right at the cusp of like they they are seeking and needing approval from adults, but they also want to push boundaries. So I think a lot of positive reinforcement of when they do things that are silly or, or, you know, and even positive reinforcement on things that you wouldn't let maybe fly other times in your house, Hmm, you know, from your own child. Um, Yeah. Well, no, it's important. You don't want, you don't want it to become, you don't want it to become a free for all of poor behavior, but at the same time, you do want to make space to let them do their thing, which can be hard. I, the other piece of advice is you'll have to, you'll have to play it by ear because they may like, like if they're paying good attention um, or if they're quiet, that may mean they're actually really focused on it. Um, hmm. But my guess is they're a shorter session is probably better. We remember those epic overnight sessions, but, but upon reflection, that was probably like a couple rounds of play and then watching some of star Wars on Betamax and then coming <laughs> back to the game. Like it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the nine hours of unstopped, totally focused play that maybe we romanticize it as. Yeah. What what, uh, what kind of game are you thinking of running? Well, so I don't know. Markborg? <laughs> you should give them a three-hour lecture on the differences between different fantasy RPGs and then let them choose. Maybe put together a PowerPoint to help them understand better the different rule sets and styles of play. No, maybe that's a bad idea. You joke, but I mean, I kind of started going that down that dark road because when he was <laughs> talking about it, I was like, well, what kind of game do you want to play? Because there's games, there's every type of game. And I started listing out the different, you know, there's science fiction there's fantasy there's games that mix the two there's everything and then i realized you know his eyes were glazing over you know he just kind of reiterated he just wanted to play D. so i've wrestled with this more than i probably need to but like i feel like i have two instincts um at my at that age me and my friends were rules kids um i don't know if it's a preteen boy thing or just a preteen thing in general or if it was just us but you know we were playing role master which is this dense rules heavy thing and we which is amazing it. yeah and like yeah. and that was a very big part of the whole draw of the experience was engaging with these like deep rules that we could we could master to achieve what we wanted to do right so there's that instinct and then i don't know these boys well enough because i think it's equally possible that that if i you know, plop down a 250 page D and D player's handbook in front of them that it will immediately destroy any fun, any fun that's yeah. happening and that they just want to do dumb stuff and occasionally be told to roll a D 20. Can I, I ask Tim a question? I, I have a suggestion, but go, go, go ahead, John. Well, your, your son played, I yes. believe in a game. That's of what, DCC, was, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to say. At Gen Con. And then he got the book. My, my son is 13. We went to Gen Con. We played a bunch of games at Gen Con, and he'd played a bunch of games before. He's been playing for a few years now. We played a game of Dungeon Crawl Classic at Gen Con, and he said, we have to buy that book now. (laughs) Now. And he spent the entire four-hour drive home reading the book. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And it was just... I mean, it's... it's, I I don't think DCC is your jam, maybe, but... I think a group of six kids hopped up on 
you know, on Coke and, and Pepsi, uh, or Coke and, and pizza is, uh, that might be like the, the perfect hmm. little yep. welcome because there's, there's not that many rules to follow. And even if you don't, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. And, like, and, and, and put yourself in, in that position. Like that game didn't exist when we were 12 or 13, but how much fun would it have been to, to roll up a handful of peasants and have them die in horrible ways when you're 12 years <laughs> yes. old? Like, like, is there anything funnier than that to a 12 year old? I'm, I'm trying like this. It's funny for the same reason that Monty Python and the Holy Grail is funny. It's absurdist humor yeah. about the medieval world. And I think that could probably go over big and okay. ripping up the character sheets like at the table every oh, time one yes. of them dies. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do have both DCC and then mutant crawl classics in the house. So nice. that is sounding pretty appealing to me. Cause I feel like Morkborg is, is like the connoisseur's version of that, right? Like, yeah. like DCC, the funnel is about engagement and silly fun. And Morkborg is like, the artisanal version of that. Like it's very <laughs> in- intentionally doing, it does the same thing, but I think that game is for us and DCC is more for, for younger people. Yeah. Like older people can enjoy it too, but I think there's more intention behind Morkborg to be sort of uh, arch. Whereas yeah. Dungeon Crawl Classics is very much what it is. Yeah. You're all kind of striking a pose when you play Morkborg in, in a, in a good way. Um, yeah. I, as I think about it, you know, DCC plays pretty light, but there's, hundreds of pages of rules if you if you want to go down the rabbit trail of like reading all the weird spell lists and stuff like that there's a lot of meat in there for you so okay that's a good suggestion anything else i should consider uh or is that just uh well i think i mean just i think just one more comment on that i just remember tim posting all these photos of his son like just stopping wherever he happened to be and opening the dcc book and reading it like once he had played the game and then he got his hands on the book he was he was hooked. And I think there's something about the, the 12, 13 year old brain that is just about consuming information and data. And, and if you can get them interested in an experience, then that's the kind of thing that happens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Hey guys, thanks for chatting through that. Uh, we got a little bit of time left, so let's roll on our table of topics. Table of topics is kind of dwindling because we are almost have almost gone through our whole list of them and we've been too lazy to refill it. So I'm going to ask one of you, John, I see you brandishing a die. To yeah, make... Speaking of Dungeon Crawl Classics, yeah. I have a Dungeon Crawl Classics, a Goofy Dice actual D3. It's like a little three-sided cylinder thing and it can roll one, two, or three. And it also has these markings for like RS on it. I don't know what those mean, but I don't know what th- those would mean either. But I'm going to roll an actual three-sided die. Yeah, all so, right. all right, a D3 here. Let's hear it. Three. Three. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting question. It has Chris written all over it, by the way, so I'm a little <laughs> sad he's not here to discuss this. The topic we'll be discussing today is, should gaming feel like an event or like hanging out with friends? Yeah, what are some of, what's your gut response to that question? My gut response is let's throw that question out. Um, no. No, 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 no. But, but let me let me finish. Um, let's let's throw out the word should. Okay? Cuz I think that 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 now we're getting into like how should how should you have fun? Oh, yeah. Like what mm-hmm. you know, how how do we define how fun is to be had? So, maybe we just take it take the stance of like what's the difference between, you know, yeah. because like and it's a spectrum. All right. So, yeah. So, the topic we'll be discussing is uh, what's different about a game that feels like an event 
versus a game that feels like hanging out with friends? I'll give a quick answer, like just sort of from my own experience. My normal game feels like a game of hanging out with friends, right? Like that's my primary motivation for doing it. So I get together. We're playing Vassin right now. They're they're good sports. They're usually willing to play what I suggest. Other people occasionally GM. It's a good group of friends, and we hang out, and sometimes we just laugh and talk, and sometimes we play the game. So so that's my primary. However, I will say, like, at RFT Con, when I plan my James Bond turns into um, Nice Black Agents game. A legendary like, game. <laughs> that was an event for me. Like, I my setup for that was very different because I didn't know who was going to be there. I didn't know how they liked to play. I had to focus more on the game and the adventure I was putting together. Whereas when I focus on prepping for my game, to the extent that I do, it's more about making sure my friends are having a good time and like, oh, Murph likes to do this. Let's make sure we include some of that. And Jess, you know, she likes her magical powers. So let's make sure we include some of that. And it's more about making sure those particular players are engaged. Whereas that's something I just couldn't do for my RFT con game because I didn't know who was coming. Tim, what about you? Yeah. So most of the time I treat it very much as an event um, and especially like my my group is is so busy and we, we we get together we get two hours every other week when we're lucky you know and then we, we end up missing a lot because this person has to travel and that person has to do whatever and so we have such limited time that we we kind of have a, a like a, a five minutes to chit chat and then we're rolling in and and it's really focused as an event but then i contrast that with you know like uh, about a year and a half ago, we had this this weekend of gaming where we went to went to a different place and and there was like five of us, right? And we sat down and we had you know four sessions of this game and then but then a lot of time in between where it was just hanging out. And when I think back to that, the game was fun, but the part of that I I keep coming back to is all of the hanging out times in between. That's what made that event special for me was mm. really the the spending time with friends part of it. So I don't know. I see, I see it going both ways. How, 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 well, so you have this like very, very common family game. How, what does that feel like? Yeah. So I feel like I've got a foot in both of these camps at the moment. I've got a roughly weekly family game of Call of Cthulhu that is very playing with friends, right? I put a lot of work into it. It's in fact, I, I put a lot of work and in planning into that game, despite the fact that the actual game sessions are casual, you know, there is no, uh, you know, okay, five minutes for chatting is done. Now we're going to focus on the game, you know, and it's, interruptions are happening and and that's no big deal. That's part of the experience. On the flip side, roughly once a month, I run a game for a group of adult friends that feels very much like the event. Just like you said, Tim, because we've only got two or three hours a month, you know, there's this extra weight that, it, that the time spent well and um and efficiently kind of and it has its own joys and its own stresses i've found that are different from the family uh one so yeah i don't know i feel like an awful lot of my adult gaming these days feels event-like and i don't know i i genuinely don't know if that's good or bad is the event friendship distinction one about the pressure you feel in prepping for it is that what the distinction is for you guys or is it something else like like not to get too uh abstract but like event suggests to me uh, something of greater importance and seriousness than hanging out right so is that part of the definition for for us as we define it because i think it's part of mine but maybe but maybe that's you know just my own well i don't know i think maybe professor kyle is rubbing off on you i know mr. right mr <laughs> mr definitions over here uh 
Well, I, I don't know because like I, I have some, I, I think there's, there's a, there's no clear break of like level of, of prep versus whether it's hanging out because I have, I run about once a month or every other month, a game at work for coworkers after, after hours. And, um, a couple of times I've brought some zero prep things, you know, so we, we played stealing stories for the devil, that Monty, the new Monty cook game. And it's an explicitly zero prep game. And, but it, it still felt very much like an event. Andy was just pointing out that you, you have some of the opposite effect, right? Where you have a lot of planning, but it feels much more like hanging out. And I, and I think we, I think we've got four different combos here. <laughs> yeah. My gut response when you ask that question, John, is the games I run that feel like events are games where where I feel some pressure to, well, I mean, I'm always playing with people I consider friends. An event game for me is one where there isn't maybe quite as much like assumption of the benefit of the doubt. You know, I know the people maybe a little less well. And there's a little bit more of a sense that I have to make this time like worthwhile. Whereas with, you know, when I'm playing with my family, if it's a, the session is a complete bust, there's no, no one intends that. And I don't take that as any sort of calling into question whether we should do this or if this is worthwhile or not. um, Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that has to do with, yeah, I think part of it is how much are you worrying about it? You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's funny. I, I do worry about event games. Even when I'm not planning, I may not even be planning as much, but I worry about event yes. games. Hmm. Even when everyone involved is a lovely human being, and I know it's going to be fun. Yep. All right. Any other thoughts on that one, Tim? No. No. I... Press, pressure's on you, Tim. Come is on. It, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I. You know. I was. I was like thinking about um, about Gen Con again, and you know, I ran a game at Gen. I ran two games at Gen Con, and one of them definitely felt like an event, and one of them definitely felt like hanging out. Um, and then when I was playing in games, I think again, it was about like half and half where it, it felt like one or the other. Personally, I think I get more out of the game itself when it feels like an event. Hmm. And I think that's because like, for me, my personality that I get more payoff, you know, like that I felt like I, I don't know if achieved is the right word, but I, that I, I did something. Well, good thoughts. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, thanks for chatting through that. I guess in closing, usually Chris does like our sort of outros. So you're going to, you're going to listen to me fumbling through it, but uh, yeah. That's all right. I can already hear Chris in my head shouting at the podcast. Yeah. So like, what's one more opportunity for him to do that? So, yeah. So I guess just to do our kind of uh, semi canned intro, you know, we've been role for topic. We're part of the role for it media network on our sister show, the splat book, a representative of which is right here in the room with us, I guess, virtually. Splatbook rules! Yeah. Is uh, Splatbook's a wonderful podcast. You should check it out. Uh, John, do you have do you have anything you want to call attention to that's particularly neat that you and Kyle have done Splatbook-wise lately? Well, we answered a couple of really crazy questions this week, but I can preview what we're doing next time. Ooh. Oh. Is that, <laughs> oh, is that 5e? John yeah, is holding so up is... the uh, Lord of the Rings role-playing game, the 5e version of it. Well, this started as a conversation between Kyle and I. I was talking about the difference between the covers of this game and the One Ring game. And that descended into uh, differences between the game. And um, yeah, I won't say anything more about it, but... Um, I think we we're both surprised at how we felt about the 5e version of Lord of the Rings. Oh. I'll leave it at that. Oh. I am trying. I'm 
I'm staring at John intently, trying to figure out if that's good surprise or bad surprise. Yeah, but I, well, I, I can't genuinely say can't tell. Right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because then why would you listen to the episode if you already yeah. had the answer, right? Yeah, I mean, Andy, gosh. Yeah. So that uh, that episode will be out a week or so in a in a in week a or two, of weeks, right? Yeah. So. All right. Awesome. Yep. Hey, well, hey, thanks once again for joining, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know Chris appreciates it as well. Chris will you know, presumably be back next time. Yes. And uh, until then, I've been Andy Rao. I've been John Corey. And Tim Saucer. All right. Awesome. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. A great GM. The best GM. <laughs> That's right.